Hello there, welcome back to The Bleeding Truth. My name is Sally McNally, I'm the Irish midwife. And I'm Bridget, Sally's daughter. We're so excited. We have yet another really strong, wise woman to talk to today. Her name is Dr. Jen Evans. She is a pelvic floor physiotherapist here in Ventura County, and she is the only board certified women's health clinical specialist in Ventura County. So we're really happy. She has a lot of wisdom to share with us today. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to hear, you know, I'm, I don't know much about pelvic floor physiotherapy. So, you know, for me and also new listeners that don't know what that is, you know, please enlighten us to, you know, what it takes to do your job and then, you know, your story too. Sure. Um, it's, I've been doing this for about 16 years. I think I was in the second year that the board certification was offered. So, but it's really growing and it's, you know, people are finding out about it and physicians and midwives. And I think word of mouth between women is improving too. So I think more and more people are trying to access it and it's helping to grow the field. And it's been really fun to see over the last 16 years. So basically we, I got a six week little introduction to women's, we used to call it women's health PT. Now it's more referred to as pelvic health PT because men felt excluded. And the beauty of our specialty is really how many different things we treat. And I love that because you're seeing different Mm -hmm. things all the time, but it's inclusive of men and women. So that was kind of the reason for the name change. Because men have pelvic floors. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of men would come in and they would say, are men allowed to come here? And we'd be like, yes, yes, come in. Like, we're happy to help you. I think the name change has been good, but then it makes it seem like the specialty is just in the pelvis. And it is, but there's really like so much more that we do in the specialty with osteoporosis and breast cancer rehab and GI issues and, you know, abdominal adhesions and just so many different things that it's kind of hard to find a name that really encompasses all the different diagnoses that we see. But a lot of it is related to the pelvis. And we try to look very specifically at the pelvic floor, but we also try to look at the whole person and how their whole body relates to what's going on in the pelvis or pelvic floor. Because I think if you look too specifically just at the pelvic floor, you could be missing important things that are having an impact on it. And mm-hmm. we'll just help the person to, you know, get better results and lifelong results if you're really looking a little bit at everything. Mm-hmm. So the three main functions of the pelvic floor are sphincteric, bowel and bladder mm-hmm. control, and then sexual function, and then supportive. So it works like a postural muscle and it supports the pelvic organs. So those are the three main functions. And if it's not working properly, then usually you'll have symptoms in one of those three areas, either Mm -hmm. bowel and bladder issues, um, sexual issues, or supportive issues like pelvic organ prolapse. Oh, wow. So we kind of think of the pelvic floor muscle group. We try not to say Kegel anymore. We try to say pelvic floor muscle contraction or relaxation. Uh-huh. So, okay. um, 
you'll hear me talking like that more than using the word right. kegel. I think I've trained myself out of it a little bit. Great. Train me to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the pelvic floor image that we use for the muscle group is kind of like a trampoline. Sorry, I talk with my hands a little bit. But if you imagine a yeah. trampoline, it needs to be able to come up. Mm-hmm. It has like a resting kind of baseline, but it needs to be able to relax as well. So it really needs that full range of motion of the muscles in order to function well. It can't be too weak or loose, then you're going to have problems. It can't be too tight, you're going to have problems. Or if it's just stiff and it doesn't have that movement in it at all, then you might also have problems. So it's a complex area and it needs to be flexible and strong at the same time. Yeah, right. So a lot of people especially like we'll talk more about postpartum, but there's this mentality that if you're postpartum, you're automatically weak and everything's stretched out and heavy and automatically your problem is weakness. So then you think I'm going to go do a lot of kegels because I'm weak and everything got stretched out. But when you think about every other part of the body, when it goes through a trauma, it tightens. Like if you, you know, strain your shoulder, you strain your back, Mm -hmm. the body wants to protect itself, it gets tight. So more often than not, the postpartum women that I see are too tight versus too weak. Or they're tight that it's just not working well, because the body's trying to protect itself from what it just went through. Right. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think I've heard the other way. You have to do the Kegel side yeah, of things. I think people just assume yeah, like... Right. Mm-hmm. But, and I think a lot of the time, Jen, I write on a script for you, weak pelvic floor muscles postpartum. Um, mm. Yeah. that's what, what the woman perceives. She has a little dribbling of urine or... Well, she has pressure feeling. Yeah, pressure, heaviness. So the pressure could be from tightness versus mm-hmm. a prolapse. So that's the thing about prolapse too, is I have yeah. to figure out is the pressure of the prolapse giving them discomfort or is it something going on with the muscles that's giving them discomfort? A lot of times the prolapse. So that's when one of the, either the bladder or the urethra or the uterus or the rectum um, is a little bit in a lower position in the pelvis. Oh, okay. And of course that can be dangerous because it can, I've seen women, you know, not in this country, but uh, women in other parts of the world with severe prolapses with, you know, their uterus coming out of their vagina, you know, or their rectum coming all the way into their vagina. And we don't oh, wow. see that so much here because we have great people like Jen that we can <laughs> prevent stuff like that happening. Like um, before, I know a lot of women would think, oh, I need surgery um, if they had to prolapse or you know, incontinence. Um, but of course, now we're going to try something like the pelvic floor physio. And right. Yeah, that would be my so, goal is for people to try pelvic PT or, you know, use supportive things like pessaries and, yeah. and let surgery be a last resort and, yeah. you know, make sh- see what's going on with their hormones. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not see the people that are not having a great response to the surgery, I'd rather see them before, before and then hopefully 
either they don't need it or, or we can buy them some more time. I mean, there's so many little tips and tricks for decreasing the pressure on the pelvic floor that are simple to incorporate into your life. What does uh, the physio entail then? So one of your questions was about the exam. Yeah. I think it's really good because people come in not knowing what to expect at all. And they're just Mm -hmm. used to their gynecological exam. Yeah. So we're kind of looking very specifically at the, the muscles. So we're looking at, first of all, I have, if they're comfortable, I have them in supine and I'm just kind of observing their pelvic floor before even an internal exam. Cause there's a lot of information you can get just from looking at somebody. Mm-hmm. And we know that 40% of people will do a pelvic floor muscle contraction incorrectly when they're asked to do so. So I just want to kind of see what they look like when they're asked to do a contraction and a relaxation of the pelvic floor muscles. So I'm looking at, first of all, does the pelvic floor muscle move? It looks like the vagina and rectum close and the perineum draws in. So I'm looking at that. But I'm also looking at, are they excessively using their glutes or their inner thighs? Or are they arching their back? Are they tucking their back? Are they, are their abs like clenching? Are they holding their breath? So there's a lot of things that I can do to perfect the contraction and the relaxation just by looking at them. And then I'll try and give them some little tricks and tips. So like with every type of exercise generally, with exertion, it takes pressure off of the pelvis to breathe out. So like if you do a bicep curl, you exhale with the lift, for example. So the way we teach the pelvic floor coordination with the breathing is to exhale with the contraction and inhale with the relaxation. And that kind of matches what the diaphragm does. The diaphragm and the pelvic floor kind of mirror each other. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching their breathing too. And then if they're comfortable, I'll get more specific with an internal exam. And that's, I really encourage people to do that because you really don't know if you're somebody that's too weak or too tight Mm -hmm. without the exam. If they're not comfortable, of course, I can find ways of helping them, but it gives you a lot of good information, especially with tension and tightness. Yeah. Especially with like postpartum women. I always, when I'm checking them after six weeks, I ask them to literally squeeze my fingers with their vagina when I'm checking them. And sometimes they, they can't, they just can't feel down there or it's a very weak uh, little squeeze. So that's when I write weak pelvic floor. (laughs) And for many years I would see the physicians write pelvic floor relaxation as a diagnosis. You probably heard that a lot too, Yeah, uh which I guess, you know, is a more general term for what's going on. But we try to just get as specific as possible because then we feel like we can treat the person better. So when they squeeze my finger, if I've instructed them and helped them to figure out how to do it correctly, then I will grade the strength from zero to five. Okay. And I'll use that information. So then I ask them to hold the squeeze. So about 70% of the muscle fibers in the pelvic floor are endurance and 30% are power. So you need to be able to have both types of strength in order for it to be working well. So I'll ask them to squeeze and hold and see how many seconds of endurance they have in their muscle. For some people, it's they, they can squeeze and then right away they let go. Some people can hold. It really wow. depends. 
So I'm looking at the strength, the endurance, mm -hmm. and then how's the coordination with pressure? So I'll have them do a little cough and feel, does the muscle contract with pressure like it should? Does it do nothing? Does it bear down with pressure? And that's going to tell me how their muscle responds to the pressures of everyday life, but also coughing and sneezing and, and lifting their baby and stuff like that. They might be perfectly strong, but the muscle doesn't contract with pressure. Yeah. Therefore, they're having leaking. But it's really not necessarily a weakness problem. It's kind of a coordination problem. So interesting. That <laughs> yeah. is really interesting. The strength, yeah. endurance, coordination. And then I ask them to bear down a little bit and just to see, do they have the ability to relax? Because that's going to be as important as the ability to contract for emptying your bowel and bladder and for pain-free intercourse and just make sure the perineum can, you know, lower a little bit. And then while they're doing that bearing down, I'm looking at the urethra, the bladder, the uterus, the rectum, and just see, we don't, we aren't like diagnosing prolapse, but the way I was taught is more like, what's the mobility in the organs when you, when you bear down there, you know, there should not be a lot of mobility. So if someone's bearing down and you really see the bladder move a lot, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I can't say like, oh, you have a prolapse. I just try and say like, there's a little bit of move, more movement in your bladder than I would expect. So can we work on that so that when a pressure comes on your body, you're, you don't feel that movement in your bladder, for example. Wow. So I'm kind of like looking at prolapse issues at the same time with bearing down. Yes. And then gotcha. lastly, just kind of going around all the muscles and feeling them for tension or tightness or fascial restrictions pain reproduction so that I can tell them, okay, you're tightest in this area. You know, is it asymmetrical? Are you tight on one side and you're fine on the other? You know, cause they just went through a huge thing. Yeah. So really the exam gives us a lot of really useful information to make their treatment specific to them. So it's never like everyone has the same treatment and everyone is doing the same thing. It's what are we going to do for your particular body? Right. And then after the pelvic floor, we have to zoom out and look at the rest of the body. How are the hips, back, abdomen, yeah. posture, breathing? Like, how is yeah. the rest of the body affecting the pelvis? So then we can give people the most well-rounded treatment for them. Wow. Good. So many questions just popped into my <laughs> mind just from that alone. Sure. Uh, so amazing. Um, so you, one of the things you... Um, do is mobilization of the visceral fascia. So is that so what you're doing? That's a special certification. That's, um, oh, that's same separate. with pelvic yeah. floor PT. You might get a little introduction in PT school, but if you want yeah. to pursue it, you really kind of have to do it on your own after. Yeah. And that was an, an extra thing I did mm -hmm. after, which is feeling the fascia around the organs, the GI system or the reproductive system to just see, you know, everything in the body wants wiggle room. It wants to be able to move and it works well when it has freedom of movement. So yeah. did somebody have a abdominal surgery or a C-section or appendectomy or something that gave them some restrictions in the fascia? And can we loosen that up mm. so that the, you know, the internal organs can move better, basically? So we're not like, repositioning something or yeah. moving them. we're just a, releasing soft tissue around things so that it has yeah. the most potential to to move better 
Wonderful. And then when it has that freedom of movement, the pain is usually better. And I'm assuming, you know, mm -hmm. the circulation and, you know, just the way the body moves is better. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then um, hypopassive exercise. Oh, hypopressives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is so that? That is... Um, it's a type of exercise that is a negative pressure in the abdomen. Uh -huh. So if you think of the abdomen as like a balloon, a lot of the exercises we do like core exercises, put pressure onto the balloon mm -hmm. and hypopressives produce a negative pressure in the, in the abdomen. So you're, you're expanding your ribs so that in your abdomen becomes like a vacuum and it kind of sucks in the, pelvic organs. So it's oh. one technique for helping pelvic organ prolapse. And when you do this abdominal vacuum kind of maneuver, it automatically creates a pelvic floor contraction and a um, transverse contraction. abdominal contraction. Yeah. yeah. Contraction. And is that something that you like teach women how to do? So I incorporated treatment mm, in okay. addition to all the other things. It's just one, one tool in the toolbox kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's very, you know, very popular I, in Spain. You know, I'm a yogi and yeah. I teach yoga and that really reminds me of uh, one we call the bandas where we do yes. pelvic floor lifting and abdominal and expanding lifting. your rib cage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think everything of... all the way up so that it pulls yeah. a, a lock down here too. Yeah. Um, and it's, so wild and so powerful uh, to be able to control your body like that yes uh, but I completely agree I um I haven't taught my uh, postpartum women that um <laughs> well, when you think about how much pressure is on their body yeah it's nice to do something that takes off a little pressure right yeah and it encourages you know like spinal elongation yeah. and posture and it's it's similar to yoga in that way. There's different right. poses and yeah. postures yeah. that encourage the person's, um, you know, the changes in pregnancy that happens to your posture to kind of rehab right. that a little bit. Yes. One of the things that can happen a lot of pregnant women is they can have a separation in the muscles in the abdomen. It's called diastasis recti. And I send a lot of women to you with that problem. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, the body's pressure is going to find the path of least resistance. And it might be, it goes into the abdomen where that diastasis is, or it might be, it goes to your pelvic floor. It might be, it goes to your lower back. And if you have a disc herniation or something like that. So wherever the weakest spot is, yeah. is kind of where the pressures are going to go. So if you can mm -hmm. teach someone how to use their muscular system to withstand pressures of for one example, lifting a baby or a diaper bag or a car seat or anything else a hundred times a day, then yeah. that little repetitive stress and strain that they can take away from that area is going to be so helpful Yeah, and helpful for healing yeah. too. We know the body wants to heal itself. So can yeah. we teach the person techniques to optimize their healing a little bit? Yeah. What I love is that it sounds so um, like non-invasive, like oh, yeah. avoiding the surgery, avoiding even medicine almost, where I mean, unless you really need that, right? Of course, it's helpful in some cases, but to to learn the skill to help whatever the issue is and then 
that's a lifelong skill that you learn as well. And I think what a lot of people want right now is wellness and preventative medicine. And that's kind of what we're all about. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love that too. Yeah. But a lot of times there's not a magic wand that I can wave over them. Mm -hmm. They have to find ways of incorporating these things into their life. And it's hard when you have, you know, so many responsibilities. True. Right. Do you create like schedule or something to help them? Like, yeah, I I try to give them like, um, a home exercise program mm-hmm. and I try to meet the person where they are. So if, you know, I right. could have somebody that's like a real go-getter and go goes to the gym all the time and, and wants a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, but then there's somebody that's just overwhelmed and maybe they have like three young kids. Right. And so I try to, again, make it individual to that person. And right. yeah. I don't want to give somebody 20 exercises and overwhelm them. Then they're not going to do any. I'd rather right. the two most helpful ones and have them try that for a while yeah. or give them things that don't take any time that they can just do while they're moving. And then they don't have to like lay there and do an exercise program. But every little thing adds up to help you recover from having a baby. I mean, yeah. I would love if every postpartum person automatically got a few sessions with PT, because I feel like I it agree. can really prevent problems from showing up, you know, postmenopausal or down the road. I think a lot be of postmenopausal. Careful. Be careful what you wish for, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think it would really do a service to the women also, you know, I could go on and on just about supporting women postpartum. A lot of times the emphasis is kind of transferred to the baby and then yeah. the mom, you know, feels yeah. kind of left behind and, and doesn't know what to do and doesn't know who yeah. to ask. And, you know, they have their six week check checkup and they get released to kind of go back to their normal life, but then they don't know how to do that or what steps to take. So I feel yeah. like we could support moms a lot more it's just with insurance they want a diagnosis code oh yes you kind of have you're speaking my language (laughs) i love it so we need to um you know work with the insurance companies so that we can justify what we're doing but wouldn't it be nice if every just being postpartum was a diagnosis code it should be yeah for something like this yeah yeah. So, so for our women, when they're pushing their babies out, Jen, um, we we've been all trying to do very gentle deliveries, um, maybe you know less strenuous pushing and more breathing the baby out instead of closed glottis pushing. Right. We give them the option of an open glottis pushing, which is like to yeah. exhale down through the pelvic floor, and I find they tear less. Um, and they like it. Yeah. They like it. But a lot of women will have an epidural and they might be too numb to to do a certain type. So then I there's know. a more directed pushing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you kind of have to see how it goes. And, yeah, you know, wh- from my experience, when I was in the moment of that, you just mm-hmm. want to get the baby out. So you're going to do whatever yeah. someone tells you to do, even if yeah. you have been taught this is probably you're probably pushing too hard or, or try without holding the breath, for example, but you're just like, you're telling me to hold my breath for 10 seconds and push. I'm going to do it because I want to get this kid out. Yes. But I think your techniques yeah. are probably really going to help people in the moment and down the road. 
Yeah, I, I hope so. Well, I try to let it be a very gentle birth of the, the baby and then a gentle birth for her body. So yeah. both so experience a nice moment. Obviously, yeah. I, I haven't been through this or witnessed it, you know, birth. So um, like I didn't even realize it was a thing that you could push too hard. Like, is it the if it's too aggressive that that could cause the tearing or... I mean, your mom would know more about this, right. but that's kind of how I felt in my experience because I was so numb. I could not feel a thing. Wow. And I was somebody that was used to exercising and using my abs. So, I mean, I was pushing as hard as I possibly could. I felt yeah. like I could push out my eyeballs right. at a certain yeah. time pushing that hard. So, yeah. Well, when, I was, you know, when we're pushing that hard, we're making muscles contract in mm -hmm. our body. But when we're relaxing the muscles, then it's, it might take a little bit longer. I think evidence shows maybe a birth like that might take 15 minutes longer, 10 to 15 minutes. But if you think about yourself having a bowel motion, exactly, you yeah. got to relax to let, <laughs> let it out, right? You don't should get to pull the cord okay. contract. Yeah, you're, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A lot of the, some of the women I see with pelvic floor tightness, the sole cause for it was chronic constipation. So if you're bearing down on that muscle so much, mm -hmm. it's going to respond by tightening and contracting. And then now you, it's even harder to get your stool out because now right. you're, you've got extra tension in there. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So many of our pregnant women have hemorrhoids, Jen. Um, do you deal with that at all? Do you? I mean, I wish I could magically get rid of hemorrhoids, but I can't, yeah. but I can just try and evaluate if there is excess tension in the pelvic floor that's causing the person to have to strain or push harder, mm -hmm. then that's going to exacerbate it. So I can, you know, teach them different techniques for minimizing pressure on the pelvic floor yeah. and also making sure that there's no tension in there. But then, you, you know, a lot of the times we're trying to deal with the symptoms, but we're also thinking about what is the root cause of this? Is the root cause your stool is too hard? Mm -hmm. Then we need to do something about that because I can work on the pelvic floor all day. And if the stool continues to be too hard, you're going to continue to have to strain. So right. do we yeah. need to refer you to a nutritionist? Would you benefit from some of that visceral in the abdomen work I was oh, talking yeah. about just to loosen or, you know, relax around the intestines a little bit? Um, yeah. Do you need education on fluids or fiber, diet, you know, all different kinds of things that can help? We have to treat the person's symptoms, but also mm -hmm. why is this happening? Another example is mm -hmm. like pelvic pain. Trying to, if someone has a muscle, has tension in their pelvic floor, it's great to know that. But is it you've had chronic UTIs? Is it you've had IBS? You have endometriosis? What is the actual thing that we're thinking is contributing to this? Because I don't is think it pelvic inflammatory disease or ovarian cyst or. Mm, yeah. What is causing this yeah. tension? Because it's easy to release muscle tension. But we don't want to release, have it come back, release, have it come back. We want to figure out what the cause is so that it's not like, a you know, too chronic of a condition. Yeah. So you do a lot of work with the soft tissue in the body. But yes. What about the bony um, 
structures, the lower back, that pelvis, the femurs. Mm. I have a lot of women who have hip pain in pregnancy and sciatica. Yeah. Um, I should be sending them to you, right? Yes. I I mean, <laughs> talking more about supporting women postpartum, but also pregnant. So many pregnant women think that the pain that they have is just normal and they have to live with it and everyone has it and it's just part of the deal, but it's not. There's so much we can do to get rid of pain and pregnancy. I think people think that they have to just live with it. Wow. So I, I wish that that would improve too. Yeah. And just supporting them and whatever their complaint may be, is there something we can do about it? So, yeah. you know, there's I wonder something... sometimes if I'm doing the wrong thing, I, I get them a belly band. Sometimes their insurance will allow me to order a Velcro like belly band or it's like around the pelvis. Yeah. Yeah. Or is that what they need? Does that, I maybe... think that, that can be helpful to take mm -hmm. a little pressure off of the back, but yeah. I would love it to go along with maybe some strengthening right. so right. that mm -hmm. the body can hold itself up a little bit better. Yeah. A lot of times the spasm and tightness is preg in pregnancy is just, you know, the hormonal effect of the relaxation on the joints yeah. and the muscles have to do more of the work to hold the body because the joints are getting relaxed. Mm -hmm. So it's really a nice time if it's a low risk pregnancy to do some strengthening and help the body support itself. Right. But I think, you know, for symptom reduction, I think the bands are good. So great. Do you ever teach them inverted poses to take the weight of the baby off or the weight of their organs off the pelvic floor? That I have not had training on. That's kind of the next thing I want to look into yeah. is um, like spinning babies kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that I'm so that, interested in all yeah, of it. Right. But no, I don't teach that. I haven't been trained in in yoga yeah. or spinning babies at this point. Sometimes if they're breech, I'll get them to do a headstand. Uh -huh. It works sometimes, but sometimes no. Um, but what about other uh, problems that women can so have? You were asking about um, kind of postmenopausal stuff. Yes, yes, postmenopausal. Which is we another get... huge category of people yes. that we see. Oh my gosh, so, yeah. Another area of a woman's life that I feel like they are not prepared for and feel kind of lost on how to deal with is when they start experiencing symptoms of low estrogen in the vagina. So they, they might notice some dryness, they might notice some thinning of the tissues, and then they might start having some discomfort with intercourse because of this dryness or thinning issue. And like we talked about, the body responds to pain by tensing, mm -hmm. trying to protect you. So they might get some pelvic floor tightness. Now they're having even more pain with intercourse because they've got maybe a skin issue or a lubrication issue and now a muscle ten tension issue and feel like they're getting worse. Mm -hmm. So it's a common time for those types of things to act up, which makes, makes sense. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like a partnership with the doctor and midwife on addressing the hormone issues and, and those types of symptoms in the skin, but also then my role would be kind of dealing with the muscle tension. Can we improve that? And then a lot of, you know, a lot of that brings on fear and anxiety regarding intercourse. Right. Or maybe they just want to stop altogether. Yeah. Painful. yeah. So 
there's a lot of emotions revolving around those types of symptoms. And so just supporting people as much as I can while improving their symptoms. So I do a lot of manual techniques for women that have painful intercourse Uh post-menopause. We, you know, I like to use vaginal dilators or pelvic wands for like a home exercise program. Then they're getting a little release every day, Mm -hmm. not just when they come in. And it kind of speeds up the process a little bit. And they feel like they have some control over the situation when they're working on it themselves. But then when you think about if there's less, um, you know, lubrication and thinning of the tissues, maybe the urethra doesn't close as well as it did before. So it's easier for the pressures of life to have urine leak. So urine leakage is another Right. Common symptom postmenopausal that I with see. That, with that age group, we see a lot of little urinary incontinence and UTIs, yeah. increased UTIs. Mm. Because just like you said, those tissues are so thin. And if they're a thin lady, then that can exasperate the, the situation as well. Really? Even just wearing a pair of jeans can, you know, make everything excoriated and sore and 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 but to be able to go to someone like you, Jen, and for you to tell them, yeah, we see this. This is normal yeah. in your age group, but we can do all of this great stuff. It's yeah. wonderful. And you shouldn't have so to say, good. okay, I'm never having intercourse again because it's too painful. Right, right. But then we also know that muscle mass decreases with age, and you know some people in that age group are less active. Maybe they're retired, more sedentary. Mm-hmm. Um, So there could be strength loss all over the body. And we can't just say like, if we strengthen this pelvic floor, it's going to, you know, fix all the problems. Like, that's great. But also around the pelvic floor, the hips, the core, the back, you know, everything, the whole body could benefit from from strength training in somebody that, you know, has like a generalized weakness. So you teach them Pilates? You, it's, I incorporate it's it into their yeah. treatment. Yeah, I feel like so it's really great. useful. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's fun super, too. And they yeah, can, it's fun too. Yeah, they're more inclined to do it. Like I've had patients who've been to you and maybe I see them months or a year later and uh, they say, oh yeah, I still remember what you taught me and I still do it. Good. I love it. Yeah. I mean, if I can just teach them a couple of things to carry with them throughout the rest of their life to mm-hmm. help their pelvic floor be healthier, I'm happy. And it's such That's a great option fair. rather than go straight to surgery. And then if yeah. they need surgery, they feel better about going. And, and then maybe they're going into their surgery as strong as they can be. Or, yeah. you know, they learn some breathing techniques with mm-hmm. bowel movements or with lifting that help take pressure off. So then right. maybe their their outcomes, they're just going to have less pressure on their surgery when they're trying yeah. to recover. Or maybe I can teach them how to get out of bed with a little less pressure or get up from a chair with a little less pressure and all those little pressures add up on the body. So if you can just take some of it away, I feel their recovery is going to be even better. So great. Isn't it wonderful that women can go to somebody like Jen? I just love it. We're so lucky to have you. Um, So then at sexual dysfunction, we kind of uh, thought Talked a little bit about that with menopausal women. What about younger women? What about really young women? Uh, do you yeah. ever see teenagers or women in their 20s with dysfunction? 
Yeah. Um, another kind of section of women that I see with painful intercourse are the women that maybe waited till they got married for the first time having intercourse and it's yeah. been painful every time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of doing an, a little investigation on their pelvic floor and where they're tight and, and if they hold tension in uh, any other areas in their body, yeah. um, you know, a lot of sexual dysfunction has a huge mental component. So I think working with a psychotherapist at the same time is going to help people so much, especially anyone that, you know, has a history of trauma or abuse. Right. Yes, I'm trained to deal with the physical body, but there's so much mental and emotional and spiritual Mm -hmm. things that go into holding tension in your pelvis that I, you know, would love to refer people to just to kind of like get a little bit of everything. It's going to optimize your progress. I think we just recently did a podcast with the sexual therapist, a counselor, um, and, she spoke just like this, like, you know, that she can deal with some of the issues, but there, there's that physical component yeah. that, that the patients or the, need to learn. Or the mental side where yeah, there's just yeah. more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I can get them to a certain point, but really, mm-hmm. you know, they need to work with a therapist to really get the full picture of why they're holding. And everyone holds mm-hmm. tension in their body for some reason or another. We all have stress. We all have anxiety, you know life. But can I teach you some stress reduction techniques or some meditation techniques, breathing exercises um, that can just help kind of lower the just overall tension that you're holding in your body just from the stresses Mm -hmm. of life. Hypnotherapy also would be useful there. Yeah. 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 I love, um, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, I like the like mindfulness techniques. Um, like I, I enjoy meditation and how that can help with certain things like relaxation, but it's harder to go fully into that. But if you just do like mindfulness techniques and be more aware of like how your body's feeling inside and yeah. not just, you know, around your surroundings, but like how you're feeling yeah, can right. really probably help with that too. Just being right. aware of if it yeah, right. actually are squeezing or something. Like I used to do that with like my jaw tightening. Yeah. Just being yeah. aware that you're actually doing it can help. And the more yeah, you know so, about yeah. your own body, the better. Yeah. I have a biofeedback machine that I can hook people up to on their pelvic mm. floor, oh, and wow. they can see when their muscle is contracted and when it's relaxed. So I can take them through some breathing exercises or like a mindfulness exercise. Mm-hmm. And they can see the tension in the pelvic floor goes down. So then they get that feedback. Great. Like, yeah. okay, this is useful. This is helping me. Then they're more motivated to do it at home and continue. Wow. That's so, that's so fun interesting. Too. Yeah. yeah. That is Great. really interesting. People sometimes need that extra little motivation to stick with things at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jen, uh, people, when they, especially women, when they think of their pelvic floor, they think of Kegel. Um so you, you're advising us now to stop just calling it Kegel exercises and call it pelvic floor. Uh, pelvic us- floor muscle contraction or, yeah. you know, I try to say pelvic floor muscle training because mm-hmm. they might be needing the strength. They might be needing the relaxation. It's yeah. the training for what their pelvic floor needs. And a lot of the time it's yeah. not the contractions because they're yeah. already holding too much tension. It's, can mm-hmm. I help them learn how to 
to let it go so that the trampoline can have the ability to go down too. Yes. So So the Kegel has the negative connotation of just tightening, tightening. Right. Right. Okay. And you guys were asking, should we teach the Kegel and childbirth classes? Yeah. I think it's great for people to know how to contract, to move their pelvic floor, to contract it, but also can they relax it? And it's only half of it. The other half. Exactly. Yeah. Can we focus on, okay. yeah. you know, when you have a baby, you need to be able to relax your pelvic floor. You don't yeah. want to be holding tension when you're having a baby. So yeah. can we focus less on just like so much squeezing when you're pregnant and more like the full range of motion? Can you squeeze, but can you let it go? And can you relax? So then it it's going to hopefully right. help the birthing process. So, so I think it's to great. be strong and stretchy, and flexible, yeah. strong and soft, just like women. Just like <laughs> <us>. <laughs> yeah, great, great. So I think emphasizing both parts of the movement of the muscle mm-hmm. is going to be helpful. But I think anytime you practice something, like if you're pregnant and you practice your squeeze and your relaxation. Then postpartum, when you go to do that, your brain muscle connection yeah. is already better. So right. it's going to be yeah. easier for you to start to move the muscle yeah. if you've already practiced it. In my prenatal yoga class, I teach women to contract and relax different parts, the rectum, then the vagina, then the clitoris, if they can find it, uh-huh. and the super pubic muscles, anything around there that they can squeeze and hold. Um So then, just like you said, they know the difference between contracting and holding on and letting go. And letting go, yeah. And I get a little bit of feedback from these patients of mine that say it was really fun to feel those muscles when the baby's head was being delivered, that Mm. they could hold on if they wanted to, or they could let go a little bit. So and what a great feeling to have some control over a hard situation and afterwards to feel like you have some control. Yeah. You know, just being able to squeeze after you had a baby is just if it's so amazing. You're like, yes. thank you. Yes. Um, so <laughs> then being able to empty your bowel and bladder is so important, too. So yeah, right. it's a complicated area yeah. of the body. I get them to prepare a little bit also with their own perineal massage. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that, Jen? That the couple of weeks before delivery, every couple of days, I say yeah. just squeeze and soften it a little bit. Um, your partner can do. There's not a it. lot of research that I've seen on this, but yeah. the, what I've seen says that it can be beneficial after about 35 weeks. Yeah. Um, to you know, soften and stretch a little bit, and just to get those yeah. muscles kind of lengthened. When you think about holding something heavy. Yeah. For such a long period of time, there it's not out of the question to think there would be a little bit of tension mm-hmm. from yeah. holding something so heavy. Right. And just more tension in the body from the joint mm-hmm. laxity. So can we kind of relax those muscles a little bit in preparation yeah. uh-huh. for childbirth? Right. I think that I did that. I think it's great. Yeah. I think okay. it helped me. Great. During the birth of the baby, I think uh, it's so hard for some people not to get in there say push push here push down there um and that of course is uh, very traumatic to the tissues if it's been done over hours and hours and her body swells up so we're trying of course to get away from that and to put warm compresses on the outside right but every now and then jen 
a woman doesn't seem to have the feeling to push or the baby's not moving. And when we feel in there, everything feels so tight. Uh, so we put like a lot of oil in and just gently rub it back and forth. But it's we're so cautious with pregnant women. The only yeah. time I do internal on pregnant women is if they've had a history of yeah. painful intercourse or pelvic pain, bladder pain, yeah. and the doctor is specifically requesting it. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's kind of we're taught it's kind of a contraindication mm-hmm. to do internal on pregnant women, unless it's specifically right. ordered. And okay. if they're having intercourse yeah, and we're using gloves and, you know, cleanliness yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe down the road, we'll see more pregnant right. women having a little more internal pelvic floor mm-hmm. PT during pregnancy. We'll see. Right. Great. Um, and then um, what about scar tissue? If somebody's had an episiotomy or a large tear to, uh, do you advise them to massage that scar yes. tissue? Yes. Everything in the body wants mobility, especially at the, I mean, all the time you can improve scars, but yeah, everything's going to function better if the scar has yeah. as much movement in it as it can. So I teach yeah. a lot of my patients that have had a C-section how to work with their scar. A lot of times when they come in, they don't want to look at it. They don't want to touch it. They want to pretend it never happened. Yeah. It, you know, it's can be a little bit of a traumatic event when it goes so far differently yeah. than what you were expecting. Mm-hmm. And now you've got this incision. And so kind of gently teaching them, how do you manipulate it? How do you move it? Um, how deep to go? You know, what are what are you feeling at different layers? And I think that can really help physically and just emotionally mm-hmm. processing what you went through right. on your C-section scar. Right. Wow, you're so good. Yeah, scar tissues, definitely. Thanks for doing that. That's great. I do tell them just to start massaging after like six weeks, just gently. And then a month later, go a little deeper. And if you feel something really hard and tight, just stay a little longer with that area. Yeah. Yes. And you're just giving that feedback to the brain. Like I'm okay. Everybody's survived. Everybody's good. Yes. Now you can let go of this a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a gateway. Your C-section scar is a sacred gateway, just like your vagina would have been if the baby had decided to come that way. Right. So it's still a wonderful part of a woman, her C-section scar. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about men. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So most commonly I'm seeing men after a prostatectomy for prostate okay. cancer. Yes. For mm-hmm. urine, urinary incontinence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a huge component, but then also men with pelvic pain or um, athletic injuries like to the groin or mm-hmm. to the abdomen. Um they would want to come to a pelvic floor PT too, because we're just very well versed in what's going on around the pelvis. And a lot of, you know, those kind of athletic injuries are right in the pelvis and right near the pelvis. So we definitely see that too. Yes. So men need help too. Yeah. And uh, would it be the same kind of thing, um, physical exercises that they would learn and take home with them? Yeah, I mean, it would be similar depending on their specific situation, like like always. Um, 
you can do an intrarectal exam on a man and get a lot of very useful information on the muscle function and observation too. So on a woman, I would kind of look at, you know, the whole vaginal area, but on a man, I would look at the rectal area and you can see the muscle contract and relax. Great. And so you can really give them a lot of useful information on how their muscles are doing from observation too. So yeah, it could be strength training. It could be anywhere that they have weakness in their body that is causing pressure to go onto their bladder. Um, it could be posture training. It could be breathing training, just helping them yeah. support them through their recovery process, yeah. basically. So interesting. And this is yeah. one of the reasons why I love what I do because mm-hmm. I have the luxury of having 45 minutes with each of my patients mm, yes. once to twice a week. So I love mm-hmm. being the person on the healthcare team since I get to see them usually so much more than their other healthcare providers get to see them. Then I feel like I can be their support person mm-hmm. and they usually are talking the whole time they're with me. So I can refer them to other things or other people that might really help them just because I have the, this luxury of time. Right. I get to spend with them. So yeah. that's been really, and I feel like I get to see them through the whole process of from having a baby to feeling like yourself again, or right. from painful yeah. intercourse to now yes. things are going really well in your yeah. relationship. And it's just really fun to see the process yeah. and be that was fabulous. Sally's always saying she wishes she had way more time with every yeah. patient. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a bonus. Yeah. So, and it, I, you know, yeah, we're pelvic PTs. You know, a lot of times when you go to PT, you you're with your PT a little bit and then maybe you're with an assistant or an aide or somebody else and you don't get a lot of time with your PT. But when you're a pelvic PT, you really need that one on one time with your patient, yes. it's not something that you can pass off to somebody else right. like an aide. Yeah. So. I really love getting to spend time with my patients and I get to do the manual with them and the exercise with them and the education and, and everything. So I feel like I'm getting to see their whole case through and that's really fun. I love that. That's so great. Uh, So isn't it great that we have uh, somebody like Jen in our community? Um, Right. So there might be women or men listening to this today that have never heard of a pelvic floor physiotherapist. So rewind now and listen again and see, (laughs) is there anything that uh, you might benefit from by going Mm -hmm. to somebody like Jen? And Jen, where could people find you in Ventura? Do you have your own office? So I have a private practice. It's called POW Physical Therapy. It stands for Pilates, Orthopedics and Women's Health. But anywhere you know that you are, you can just Google pelvic floor PT with your zip code or your city name and see who's closest to you. You can also go on the American Physical Therapy Association website and find a PT. There's a button, find a PT, and it'll look for somebody around your area. And it's really growing and there's a lot more now. So yes. hopefully... For most people, there's somebody that they can access within a reasonable distance. Do all your patients need a referral or could they just come on their own? So we have direct access in California. So you can just come for 12 visits. But it also depends on what your insurance requirements are. So some insurances you need a referral and some you don't. So... Mm -hmm. Usually we tell people to call the office and then we'll check the insurance situation for you. 
and let you know what you need, if you need a referral or not, and how many visits you're allowed and copay and all the, all those details. Yeah. We try and make it as easy as possible for people. Do you want me to bring my pelvic floor up here? And- <laughs> <laughs> Let's examine you on camera. Um, but I'm thinking That's like a different type of woman. <laughs> one thing that is so prevalent that is so mm. bad for you is chronic constipation. Mm. So oh, yeah. I feel like I can be a slightly more specific on that yeah. because there's commonalities that you see. Um, so just wellness things, are you drinking 80, you know, 60 to 80 ounces of water a day? Are you getting more than 25 grams of fiber a day? Now we have the beauty of our phones with apps that will track everything for you. So you can plug in how much water you've had. You can plug in your food and it'll tell you how much fiber you've had. Um, there's so much information about nutrition online now. You know, you can get a water, a 32 ounce water bottle and make sure that you have at least two of those in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we educate people on position on the toilet, how to specifically sit on the toilet oh, to wow. enhance the pelvic relaxation. So now there's squatty potties or step stools that raise up your knees a little bit. Kind yeah, of like I've heard that. Position, right? So when your knees are up a little bit, there's sling, a sling muscle that goes around your rectum that it can be relaxed a little bit. So it's easier for the stool to pass through. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just throwing wellness education at people even before even addressing the pelvic floor, maybe just putting a squatty potty up and, yeah. or under their feet and telling them exhale with your bearing down or your pushing mm-hmm changes the whole situation for them. Crazy, that, yeah. You know, that one little thing yeah. of just telling someone to exhale instead of holding their breath. Because yeah. then their pelvic floor is able to actually relax mm-hmm. and function normally. Maybe there's no tension in the pelvic floor, but if you're straining on it and it wants to contract, like what Sally was saying, it's hard to get your stool out. So sometimes yeah. these little things can really, really mm-hmm. help. Because your body's going to tell you if it becomes a problem, but can we get some of these just general health and wellness things out in the world so that we can prevent the body from actually becoming symptomatic because of an excess pressure? Yeah. So that's just one example of some specific things that are unrelated to actually me putting my hands on their pelvic floor. Right. And then some people contract their pelvic floor when they mean to relax or relax Mm -hmm. when they mean to contract. So Uh just, learning how to control those muscles can be really helpful too. But chronic constipation is not good for you. Rampant. Rampant. It is. is. And so many people carry stress in their abdomen. I mean, the gut and brain connection is clearly shown now. So if you're going through stress and anxiety and you hold tension in your abdomen and your, you know, your gut is unhappy, could it be slowing down the motility in your intestines? Could it be, you know, too much water is getting taken out. So the stool is hard because it's moving slow. Can I teach you some tummy massage techniques just to like, first of all, a stress reduction technique, tummy massage works really good to reduce stress, but also just get the intestines moving a little bit better. And 
it's not hard to lay down and massage your tummy for five minutes a day if it means yeah. you're going to be more consistent with your bowel sure. So, yeah, yeah. Great. sometimes these small it feels things. good too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and all of this that you're talking about—it's so natural, and it's it makes so much sense, and it's um, it's wonderful. Like Bridget said, not to run to medicine or mm. to run for surgery. I think yeah. it's wonderful. I think just yeah. teaching people to like slow down and practice a skill is important because there's so yeah. much emphasis on like magic pill solutions where right. you know just yeah. take something and it fixes whatever issue you have when yeah. that doesn't really solve the core or yeah it's and it has to be a partnership and... i can do as yeah. much as i can with oh, my yeah. hands but i don't want my hands to be what you feel is curing mm -hmm. you it yeah. needs to be let me help you and then let you help yourself yes. and then you feel confident that you can keep yourself yeah. feeling well and not have to be reliant on yeah. physical therapy in order for your body to feel good. Let me show you just a few things to help your body feel good all the time. And then you yeah. have more of a sense of control. And then that takes away anxiety and stress, just feeling like you can do something. Yes, absolutely. Well, you're absolutely. a healer, Jen. You're thank a healer. You. I just love it. Um, thank you so much for all of this information. And we're going to mm -hmm. touch uh, how people can find you onto the yes. bottom of this. P-O-W. P-O-W. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you fabulous. so much, Jen. Thank I you, learned babe. so much because barely understood it, mm -hmm. but I feel like I have a way more, yeah. I know, yeah. inside full idea of, you know, how yeah. valuable this is. Yeah. And the more the information yeah. gets out, the more people we can help, which is great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank well, you guys. Thank you. We know you're watching. already helping a lot of people. And uh, from this, hopefully mm -hmm. more people now will know where to go and uh, what it's all about. They won't yeah. be so nervous about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Great. Nothing to be nervous about. We're mm -hmm. very gentle. You yes. know, everything that we do, we've had done to ourselves in classes. So we we really know how to make things as comfortable as possible for patients. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So you, if you guys Jen. are still listening please make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. If you guys are listening on Apple, please leave us a review because that really helps us out. And we'll be back with more amazing guests like Jen. Thank you so and much. Jen, thank, thank, you. thank you for your bleeding truth. That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> and thanks Bye. a million everyone for being there. Thanks a million. So thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. And um, if you like what we're doing, give us a bit of a review on Apple. That would help us so much. And um, if you come across a subscribe button, press the subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything.